This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host, who's kind of jealous that someone else uses the term epic. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 66 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are going into part two of our series with Epic Gardening with Kevin Espiritu. If you guys haven't heard of Epic Gardening, first go out and check out episode 50 or 65 and listen to uh, our beginning of this series with Kevin Espiritu from Epic Gardening. Kevin is a blogger and podcaster over at epicgardening.com, and he has a daily podcast. This guy's cranking out stuff like crazy. He has a daily podcast, tons of blog posts as well, that come out about everything gardening. And these are all just like super short, quick, actionable tips and tricks and steps about all sorts of topics covering gardening. And so I had the good fortune to be on his show. I was very happy and excited to be on his show to really talk about landscapes and how they can fit into our lives. And of course, we put the spin of gardening on it as well. So today we're going to be wrapping up our series. And the three topics we're going to be talking about today, the first topic will be easy ways to boost curb appeal. The next topic will be neighbors, HOAs, and growing anyway. If you have dealt with neighbor issues or if you live in an HOA and have dealt with the rules and regulations as part of an HOA, you might sometimes be frustrated. And so we talk about ways to really kind of adapt and overcome, I guess, these uh, these situations of dealing with neighbors, dealing with HOAs or, or municipal regulations. And last, we kind of wrap up the show with how to rock being a parent gardener. And so really what this talks about is is how we can really integrate our kids into our landscapes and really use our landscapes as a tool and an experience for teaching and helping our kids develop and grow. Make sure you check out the links for the show notes today over at ely.how slash episode 66. We'll get into the details later uh, at the end of the show about that. All right, guys, let's jump in and hear more about uh, all this cool stuff. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Epic Gardening Podcast. My name is Kevin, and I'm here with Ben Hale of Easy Living Yards. This whole week, we've been going through quite a bit about you know, maybe the underarching principles or the overarching principles, however you want to think about it, to to landscaping your yard. And today we're going to get a little more practical. There's a term in the real estate world, I believe, called curb appeal. And it's just how does your yard and your home look from the street? Uh, and this is not something that I have paid a lot of attention to, if I'm being completely honest. First of all, I'm a renter. And second of all, I've been much more focused on edibles. And so to me, like whatever got the job done was fine. But I got to admit, I'm getting a little more into it these days. And I'm really excited to have Ben here to kind of give me the the rundown and give you guys the rundown on some ways that you can boost your curb appeal. So what's going on, Ben? Hey, Kevin, it's great to be back. So from a overall perspective, can you just kind of give a little brief description of what is curb appeal? And then as a from a landscaping perspective, what should we be trying to do to increase that? Sure. Yeah. And I can give you a little backstory here too, which might be helpful. Yeah. So but first to your question, uh, what is curb appeal? 
the way I define it, it's kind of a nuanced thing. Just like saying design, how do you do design, right? That's kind of hard to, to articulate. But curb appeal is basically the something you can do to increase that that wow feeling or that that aha for people coming into your landscape. So so what can you do to your space to really make your house and your yard pop to people coming to visit? Perfect. Okay. Which makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 I don't know what it is about me, but I'm just so not in that, like my brain doesn't really see aesthetics in that sense. And I'm, I'm learning, but it feels like I'm like in remedial design or something like I'm trying to understand it. Right. So what are some things we can do? Well, so what I would say first is I totally identify with that actually. So despite that I'm a designer myself, um, I've had to train myself with that piece and, and, very similar to you. I don't like to be outside just working on stuff just to work on it and to make everything pretty and trimmed and neat and prim and proper. And instead, what I want us to do here is is do the things that really make our space pop, but without having to be slaves to our landscape. And so instead, you can, you know, have a nice space that your neighbors might, you know, appreciate, but you can also spend a lot more time on your edible garden, for example. Perfect. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah. Okay. So, um, some of the things you can do. So first I would uh, kind of drilling back to just an overall perspective of our landscape. Uh, there's a couple things you can do that really make a big impact. First is, is using just a few accents to add interest to your landscape. So if you think about the typical postage stamp lot, there's kind of like you have this big open lawn and then you might have a couple plants right next to your foundation. So just think of what, maybe there's a couple things that you can change that really adds interest to your space. And this could be plants or ornaments to your landscape. Secondly, go ahead. Yeah. So when you're talking about ornaments or ornamental sort of things, what are those? So, I mean, some people are into this more than, than I am. Uh, so, you know, people like just like some simple feature that could be an accent. It could be a piece of driftwood. It could be, you know, a little <laughs> little cheesy garden gnome. I, mm. I wouldn't recommend that for <laughs> myself. But, uh, you know, little things that you can add that just add interest, that draws the eye um, to the space and makes it, you know, kind of gives it a – this is a very, again, like a very uh, nebulous thing. Uh, to articulate, but it's something that just kind of feels nice. So think about, let's step inside the home for a second for an analogy is say, you know, you come into your living room um, the first day you move into your space and you're trying to think, okay, this feels really empty. What do I do to change that without making it feel cluttered? Right. And so you might think of a, a few types of pieces of art, depending on your style. And, and you might add just, you know, little simple accents to the space that really kind of add warmth to the space or, or whatever the feeling is, it might add a sense of, um, just a sense of place to your space as well. And so it's similar for outside is you want to add something simple, but without overdoing it to where it feels like, like it's just like overdone. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes complete sense. Um, from an overall view, are there any other sort of basics that we need to be looking at? Yeah, a couple more things just to run through quickly is is reducing clutter and things that don't add or that aren't ornamental. So, for example, for our space in our yard right now, uh, we have our trash can out in the front of our house. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I will be changing because it just it takes away from the space. Right. And so what are some simple things you can do? Um, maybe your vehicles, could you park them in a different spot where it doesn't, you know, obscure the view of your house? Um Anything that like, are there, do you just have some cheap lawn chairs sitting out front that kind of, you know, it makes it feel cheap 
or or whatever instead of like nice and welcoming. So this kind of can comes into what do you want your space to feel like? Maybe you want those cheap lawn chairs there to feel really chill, right? Maybe you're going for like the dorm dorm room uh, yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I guess to wrap up too, um, if you have any kind of just overgrown areas, um, views that are obstructed, like um, maybe the like you know a window of your front of your house is just totally overgrown or something, um, kind of opening that space up uh, so so it doesn't look like it's unkempt. Perfect. Yeah, I mean those are some good overall tips. I know that there are a few areas, you know, common areas of how a home looks from the front, right? You have like your front garden or your, your lawn area, you've got your porch and you've got maybe an entry walk of some kind. Do you have any sort of specific tips for each of those zones? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, and I would suggest like, think about it as like, let's say you're a visitor pulling into your, to your new house, right? Uh, or for the first time to your house. Um, so think about their journey as they kind of pull up to your house uh, maybe pull in the driveway if you have a driveway and then walk up your front entry toward the front of your house. How do you want them to feel and what could you change to to help them feel more welcome and more happy to be there? So when we come through our space, thinking of most people have some sort of front garden, right? And so there's some really simple things you could do to really make sure without you know a huge design overhaul what you can do to each of these spaces. So for the front garden, Think about how you could frame the house with some simple plants. So this could be maybe adding like some columnar plants on either side of your front door. If you want to kind of, you know, guide the eye to the front door. Or you could add some accent shrubs, you know, medium-sized accent shrubs on each corner of your house. So that's kind of what I mean by framing is, is you kind of draw the eye in to the space and, and, and want people, I guess, visually to stay in that space. Secondly, I would say keep the front garden clean. So uh, avoid, you know, tons of cluttered, maybe too many plants there uh, that don't add varied structure. And that's the last piece is, is using varied structure. And so um, making sure you have enough interest with different types of plants um, and, and different kinds of color and, and texture as well. As far as the, the other spaces, so you come up the entry walk and you go to the front porch, right? Right. So as far as the, en- the entry walk goes, usually the number one mistake with an entry walk, and this isn't use, this is usually due to the contractor that built your house, not the, the person that owns the house. And so when it comes to your entry walk, it's too narrow. So usually it's kind of uncomfortable. Let's say um, the visitor coming to your space is uh, a young mother with two kids, right? So she, she has to carry uh, maybe a baby carrier and then walk a toddler along a narrow path that's usually only three feet wide. It's pretty difficult. So how can you make it, for one, appear wide, so make it unrestricted? So if you have any plants that are kind of encroaching over that narrow pathway, trim them out so it appears bigger and it feels bigger. So she's not brushing up against a giant shrub with her baby carrier as she's running after her toddler for example. <laughs> right. Um, and, and then likewise, you, you still want that space to appear welcoming. So a lot of times the lawn butts right up against the front entry walk. And so instead what you can do is just a very simple garden bed with low plantings that don't obscure the, the visual or um, physical space of the entry walk is really helpful as well. 
Awesome. And then, and then last, I guess some quick tips for the front porch, use really simple decor, keep it clean, use seasonally appropriate accents. And just the last thing that goes across kind of the whole over overall space for your landscape is a few simple things can really make a, a big difference. And this is certainly true for your front porch. So you don't want to just be overblown with decor to welcome people in instead of just a few nuanced things can really make a big impact. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I think the point that stood out the most to me is pretending like you don't live in your own home and viewing it from that beginner's eye once again. And I think if I was to do that, I'd probably walk out and identify quite a few things that, you know, might need a little bit of massaging. Um, but yeah, fantastic overall tips, fantastic tips for each section. I think what's going to happen tomorrow is we're going to tie this to the larger community. So how do you actually garden maybe if you are in an HOA or how do you actually, um, you know, keep your neighbors feeling good about being your neighbor, right? Uh, so that's going to be really interesting. It's not something I've really had to deal with too much just based on where I'm living right now. The house next door to me for quite a while, it was actually the victim of arson. Um, so it hasn't oh, wow. really been built on. And there's there's a, an old man who kind of takes care of the front yard there. And he's quite, we're, we're kind of on the same wavelength. So we understand each other. And, um, you know, we kind of let our, ourselves do our own thing. He's more ornamental. But yeah, I mean, if you're in an, certainly in a suburb or, and even more so in an HOA, I think tomorrow's episode is going to be really, really interesting. So I hope you guys are going to stay tuned for that. And until next time, good luck in the garden and keep on growing. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Epic Gardening Podcast. I'm Kevin, and I'm here with my friend Ben Hale of Easy Living Yards. We've been talking a lot about landscaping and now we're tying it to, you know, some of the things that you may not consider uh, when you're thinking about landscaping, but you you are going to have to consider. And that would be your neighbors, if you're living in an HOA, and how do you manage that delicate balance of, of relationships? Because that's, that's what it's really about. And Ben's got a pretty interesting story. So I figured, Ben, it might just be good for you to start off with how this has impacted your gardening. Sure. It's great to be back again, Kevin. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, so I have an interesting backstory when it comes to living with neighbors, uh, also HOAs, and, and also being able to do the things you want to do with your landscape. And so the reality is a lot of us now increasingly live in more urban and suburban conditions, and, and we live a lot closer to neighbors than, than people used to 50 years ago. And, and so for us, we moved into uh, our current home about six years ago, and it was a really rough home. So it had been poorly treated for about 15 years, and it was horrible condition, and we needed to do tons of work uh, on the interior and exterior of the home before we could even feel comfortable living in it, let alone raise a family. And so uh, during this process, we knew that uh, we couldn't be living in an HOA, and we, we purchased our home knowing that it wasn't in an HOA. Well, as it turns out, we live in a township, and this township actually has a lot of codes written very similar to an HOA. And so we actually dealt with some issues here, even though we our home from day one was in better condition than any day previous to when we owned this home. We actually got a property maintenance violation for not cutting our lawn because we were focusing on, for one, we had a, a baby that was born about 
three weeks before this violation. And secondly, we were working on repairing our home. And, yeah. and so unfortunately, our neighbors were, uh, well, this neighbor specifically was not um, understanding enough to to realize that yeah, and decided to pass for a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Basically, we turned a, our backyard used to be a, a burn pit for for bed frames and mattresses. Oh, wow. Instead of instead of acknowledging that, you know, we actually fixed that and made it look better and put a lawn there for now. Uh, instead, this neighbor decided to complain about it and to to report us to the township. And wow. so, yeah, that's, that's why that's an interesting choice by him or her. Exactly. And so that's why, for one, keeping good neighbor relationships is so important and also figuring out how you can live the way you'd like to live without breaking your back or your budget um, is important in our in where we live these days. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the, um, I guess, more lofty goals behind Epic Gardening is reconnecting people to a sense of community because, I mean, what better way to do that than food? Every human being has to eat or else you're not a human being for very much longer. Um, but yeah, I mean, so how did you go about managing? I'm curious, like, how did you go over and speak to that neighbor? Or was that sort of a lost cause? Or, or what would you recommend people do to kind of keep those good relationships? Well, I, I have to say this has been a learning process for me. <laughs> um, what I what maybe I did wasn't what I would necessarily recommend. <laughs> Not to say I went over and like steamed at my neighbor or anything like that. Right. And right. And, and what I will start with is the end w- uh, of this story is that that my neighbor and I actually have a very amicable amicable relationship now and uh, very understanding as well. So so there was a very good resolution to this. Um, and. And so I guess your question is, what did I do? Well, well, I actually, uh, I vented to my wife more than anything else because I knew it was unhealthy to do, um, to, to do the same towards my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately for her, um, she had to hear a lot of it, but, um, and she was just as upset, of course, but, um, what I was able to do is have a very cordial relationship with our township. And then after a little bit of time, our neighbor as well. And so here's, here's what I would recommend. First, um, keeping good relationships with your neighbors to prevent this from happening is incredibly important. So the things you can do there is just have open communication, um, being very patient with them, and also being, I would say too, being assertive, making sure they understand that this is your space, not in a you know, not in a antagonistic way, but just that you respect their space and you also kind of kindly expect them to respect your space as well is very important. Um, also making sure you can do what you can again, without taking too much effort to create a welcoming space and a a happy space on your landscape. So one of these big things here is reducing visible clutter can go a long way to, um, helping maintain positive relationships because let's face it, your neighbor probably doesn't want to stare at, at, you know, a pile of rocks sitting on the side of your house which, which we do have right now, actually. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, certain other types of clutter that maybe you're in the middle of a project like we are, and that's why it's there, but make sure it's not a long-term thing. And also helping to inform your neighbor to have the right expectations beforehand. Like, Hey, we're working on a project, you know, in the next couple months, we're really working to beautify our space or we're, we're really working to grow you know, a, a healthy edible garden. We'd love to share the produce with you. Unfortunately, we have to go through a dirty process to get there. Yeah, and so setting those expectations. Make, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think that's that something helps. for me, like my little story, I guess on that is as I was working on the book, 
I was running through quite a few different iterations of, let's say, a raised bed design or uh, a container garden or a hydroponic system, which means that there were way more ways to grow than I would choose myself because I was showcasing many different methods. And so I had all sorts of pipes and boards and bricks and everything all around the home, which some of that did spill out into the front yard. And fortunately, no one was really too bothered by it, but it certainly didn't look amazing. And I probably could have done a little bit better of a job of of keeping that hidden away at the very least, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I guess one last thing I would say here too is is this is kind of cheesy, but you can also make yourself the hero in a story. And you know, you don't want to say like once upon a time I lived in this home. But what you <laughs> right, but what you can do is is make sure your neighbor maybe understands your story. Like, hey, you know, we're coming here and and we're I guess you know, from my standpoint with our story is is we're moving into this home. We we're getting this beautiful structure of a home. It has wonderful bones but the rest of the home is in horrible condition, right? We want to make this a happy and healthy place for our family. And so what we're doing is we're trying to spend the, the most effort we can to make it a happy and healthy place. Unfortunately, our landscape right now is in a struggle. So we're going to do the best we can to keep it maintained. So, you know, our, you and our other neighbors can be happy. But in the meantime, we just want to let you know that we're working on this and we'll keep you updated too. We'll, we'll let you know like, hey, we actually found a hole in the floor over here when we mo- removed some of the flooring and my dad fell through it, right? And so, so like adding these story elements really brings your neighbor into the journey and you become the hero struggling to, to bring this space into something beautiful and wonderful. Right. And so oh, that's such a good point. I mean, everyone's humans connect through narrative, humans connect through story and exactly. if they have buy-in on rooting for you in some way then it feels like it's almost like they're watching a movie right or they're watching a tv show it's like ben's battle in his front yard right exactly yeah and so for you i mean if if your neighbors ever had you know if you ever had concerns you could also talk to them about hey you know i'm I'm actually writing this book right now i'm going to be a published author soon and and have you heard my podcast, by the way? It's awesome, right? Right. <laughs> and, right. and then telling them these are actually experiments to help people have healthy food in places that they might not have space to grow, right? And so, right. so pulling those people into your story, well, then it, you could actually turn one of your neighbors that maybe is a little concerned about this cluttered hunk of pipes out in front of your yard into a an advocate for you. Like, Hey, my neighbor across the street does hydroponics and they're working outside to make these cool experimental designs and he's writing a book on it. Right. Yeah. And so, so those are the things we can do with, with our space. Yeah, no, I mean, what you've said is more or less how I've approached it. Although I've talked kind of more about the overarching goal of Epic Gardening, which is just getting more and more people at the very least growing a plant and at the very most sourcing some portion of their own food and everyone who walks by, cause I'm in a, I'm definitely in a, I guess a hybrid urban suburban environment where it's not, it's not cookie cutter homes. These are all old Victorian homes and they're all unique. So there's a unique character to the neighborhood, but there's quite a bit of foot traffic too. And people go, it's just so shocking to them because no one's no, almost no one on a societal level is doing this. Um, unfortunately. And so it's just such this counterculture thing. And they're like, Oh wow. Like that's, you have leaks growing in your front yard. Like, Oh my gosh, I love that suit. You know, and so right. I really do get buy-in. And, and for me, I've found I, I've gotten buy-in from the four-block radius that walks by the house. You know what I mean? Not just the neighbors. Right. Okay, that's great. Which is pretty cool. Um, just before we close out this episode, on a practical level, not dealing with the people, 
what are some of the things that we can do um, to maybe avoid them even having a problem with our, our yard in the first place? Yeah, so actually I've got some tips. I'll, I'm going to try and run through them super fast uh, about how we can actually do edible gardening in an HOA. Mm. Because when we live in an HOA or, or even maybe in a city, sometimes they outlaw gardening, which is which is horrible, right? Yeah. But um, that's the reality we live in a lot of times. And so how do we help uh, those of us who do live in those types of places, how do we actually how can we provide good, healthy, edible food for our family? Well, there are a couple of things you can do. One is you don't have to have an established vegetable garden, right? The classical vegetable garden you see, or even necessarily like a raised bed garden. What you can do is integrate your, your edible gardening into your landscape. So have nice, well-tended beds that blend in with edibles in your front landscape. For example, a lot of times people have ornamental onions, that they grow in their front yard. Why not grow edible onions instead? Then you have onions, right? So they still look beautiful in your landscape. So pick the the plants that have uh, attractive leaf shape, plant structure, and color, as well as the appropriate edible desires you have. So when you're selecting your edible plants, make sure you select ones that will look good in your front landscape. The other thing I would say is make sure these are also beds with year-round entrance. So think of them from an ornamental standpoint because that's the way your HOA is going to think about it as well. So how do you integrate them into your ornamental beds and make them attractive? Well, put in some evergreens, put in some grasses, maybe have some nice attractive hardscape elements, some nice paver brick edging or stone edging, right? So you might have to invest a little bit more than the typical uh, gardener in their backyard to have an edible landscape, but you can do it. And there's ways you can do it where you don't have to be concerned about having fines for having a garden in your landscape. Yeah, no, those are fantastic tips. I, I mentioned a little bit of that in my section on HOAs in the book. Um, and it, it really is a bit of a compromise, right? I mean, if you're in an area with an HOA, you do have to play by the rules to some degree. And you can kind of push the envelope a little bit with some of the stuff you've been talking about. But um, yeah, I mean, you're probably not going to be able to run a in-ground front yard, you know, row-based farm <laughs> even if you might want to maybe save that for the backyard, sacrifice a little bit of production for maybe some more aesthetics and ornamentals. And, and you probably won't have a problem. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so today we're done, but tomorrow we're talking about <laughs> how to rock being a parent gardener. Now this is something I don't have a child, so maybe this is something that I will revisit in however many years but I think a lot of listeners do. And I think a lot of listeners probably want to figure out how to sort of work their children into the garden. It's something I'm definitely interested in. Um, just, I don't have a little one myself to like run as an experiment, you know? Uh, so we're going to talk about that tomorrow. That'll be the final episode with Ben. I've really enjoyed the progression of this whole week. We've gone from sort of the high level into eventually down to the people, which is what it's all about in the end. So tomorrow, again, how to rock being a parent gardener with Ben Hale. Hope you guys tune in. Good luck in the garden and keep on growing. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to our final episode with Ben Hale of Easy Living Yards. So this whole week, we've gone through quite a bit about landscaping. And we've kind of gone from the practical to the relational to now how to rock being a parent gardener. That is what the title of today's episode 
And so I'm not a parent. So I think what I'm going to do is lean on Ben. And what are you talking about here when you're saying how to rock being a parent gardener? What does that mean to you? Sure. I'm excited to be back here one last time. So thanks for having me, Kevin. Um, So what I mean by rocking being a parent gardener is if we tie this all the way back to our first episode, we talked about living with purpose, right? And so understanding that uh, having a beautiful landscape isn't necessarily our life purpose or isn't necessarily about living with intent. So understanding what is your purpose and what, what is living with intent for you? So a lot of us here might be here because part of our purpose or intent is healthy food for our families, right? Growing healthy food or getting a little bit back to the land closer to our roots. So likewise, some of it for us and for me personally is, is being a good parent, being a good father, good mother to our kids and helping them grow into wonderful people that can go out and explore the world and make a positive impact in their own way. So that's what I mean by rock being a parenting gardener is is sharing some of your love with your passion with your kids so they can then interpret it the way they want to and the way they can grow best and develop for them personally. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. Of course, I don't have children like I've said, but um, <laughs> I what I've recognized in in working on Epic Gardening is coming to the reader or the listener or the watcher where they are. Um, so for me, that means, you know, I do little Instagram stories or I do little, little YouTube videos because the younger people are, and I'm, I'm not that old myself. I feel like I'm, I'm sounding like I'm 80, but <laughs> we, you have to come to, to a new mind about gardening where they're at in their life. Right. And so, you know, in my world, that means putting it on social media platforms that the demographic that I would love to influence is on. Right. So like a younger person's not going to be reading my book probably, uh, versus watching my 60 second Instagram story. And I would think with a child, you know, the sooner you can get them hooked on this being a really cool way to basically live life, um, the sooner you've effectively created a new person that's going to spread the message that, that we sort of think is a, a better way to live. Right. And then that means that even more people get influenced. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I guess, for example, in a little bit of backstory here is, is I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, uh, three boys. They're awesome and full of energy and a lot of work, but mm-hmm. it's so, it's so rewarding. And it, it certainly has changed my life not to be, you know, completely cliche, right. but, um, being a parent has so much influence, uh, the founding of my business and what I teach here at easy living yards of, of living with intent and purpose and, and saving time on our landscaping at the same time. And so for my kids, my five-year-old, he does exactly what you say is he goes on to, he asks us to go on to YouTube, usually saying, Hey Siri, how do you grow a tomato or something like that? Exactly. And, and he sits there and learns, Oh, my, my Siri turned on right now. Oh, oops. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so asking and learning and and using those, you know, those digital resources. Um, and so that's great that you're offering that. Um, I guess, yeah. So what I'm talking about here is, is learning how to, I, I guess two things, one, how to parent in a way that teaches your kids some of the things you love and some of the things that are important to you. And likewise, also being able to do the things you want to as a parent, um, and make progress that you want to as a parent and not feel guilty as a parent at the same time. 
because that's a continuous struggle for us in our household is how do we feel like good, dedicated parents, but also have the time to one, create a safe and, and attractive home, but also grow some good food and, and have some good family time together. So that's a very difficult struggle. Right. Yeah. I would, I would imagine, I mean, you, you want to live some semblance of your own life too. You want to have your own joys and pleasures and then integrate your children into as much of it as you can. Then there's also just like the practicalities of living, right? Where you, you, you've got work, you've got your actual job, you've got your home to take care of and integrating all of that seems like it would be the real challenge. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So I, I guess I have a few tips here. Yeah, I'm certainly not the, you know, the world's leading expert on this because I'm living it. But these are some of the things I've learned um, in, in working with my life to live with intent and also raising children to also live with intent in their future. So, so one of the things, and, and also some of this is just, um, I guess, what would I call it? A harmony improvement, I guess. Improving the harmony of your home by mm. having your kids involved and having your kids happy and feeling satisfied as a parent. <laughs> okay, so first is is really for for us at least, it's putting our kids first now. Um, and and so that's not you know in front of every other priority that we have, but understanding that for us, the memories that we can make with our children and the time that we have with them is limited. And so. Uh, working to first think about how can we create memories, not necessarily spending, uh, it's, it's not always a time trade-off, right? But how do we focus on creating good quality memories with our children? And sometimes this can be very little things. How can we do that first? And then we have the space to, to work on the things, the practicalities of life as well. And so, for example, this is where uh, if I just take a, an example out of this weekend for me, we're working on our front landscaping right now. And we we poured new concrete a couple of days ago. Um, we are, are digging in some garden beds and putting in, uh, this is ornamental gardening. And so what we did is is we structured our weekend this past weekend where in the morning I did work where I could, but it was with our children. And so our boys were out there with their muck boots on, getting filthy, digging pits where I didn't want pits to be dug. <laughs> but we had a great time with it because they were involved. They felt like they were making a difference, and they left their own personal mark on that space. And then uh, nap time came along, and that's when I really get out there, fill in the holes that didn't need to be dug, and, and get to work. And so then I can make some positive progress, feel satisfied as a parent, and also feel like I have some memories that I can hold on to for the future. And so, so that's where you can kind of, you know, it's not exactly a lot of productivity experts talk about how balance isn't necessarily a real thing anymore sure. um, or, or like work-life balance, for example. Well, it's kind of like adding little bits of doses into each thing and they have a greater impact when you do it deliberately. So adding a small dose of memory making and, uh, and spending some time with your kids, that's good quality time. And then I have the rest of the day where our kids feel like they've gotten the attention they need. And, and likewise, I can then spend some focused, dedicated time to work on the things we need to get done. Yeah, no, I think from my perspective, the way I think about that, because I'm such a sort of systems-minded person, is you're stacking, right? I mean, you're, it's not like you're making zero forward progress when you're out there with your kids either. You're still doing some work. Maybe it's not the most hyper 100% efficient work out there, but it's efficiency in a different way, right? Because you're 
you're you're making those memories you're you're blending priorities and doing sort of a couple different things at the same time making some forward progress in all of those and then when there is time to to kind of lay low you can hustle on the yard or maybe the yard is done for the day and then you can go do 100% family time right exactly yeah, and so I guess a, a great example of this is our our edible garden this year. Uh, we've we've really actually struggled with getting a good productive garden uh, in the six years that we've lived at our home. <laughs> in my relation, so this is where in my childhood I grew up with my parents were gardeners. We always grew enough uh, beans to put in the in the pantry for the whole winter and the rest of the year until we had green beans again fresh. Uh, we had enough tomatoes to make our own tomato sauce for a whole year. That's the kind of gardening my family did. And so when I talk about my gardening, that's what I compare it to. It's not as elaborate and, and great as that in the past six years because we've had to focus our priorities. Now, what I will say is this year, it's been the most rewarding year in our garden, even though our yield was really small. So we have a few fruit trees we planted a couple years ago. One of them is we did it uh, when my oldest son was about two years old, and we call it his tree. So he has a peach tree. This is the first year we got a peach off of it. We had one peach, half of it was eaten by by snails or something, and um, and the other half, the, our two oldest boys got to enjoy it. And the smiles on their face were priceless. So those memories we had from just that single half of a peach was also a learning opportunity where we got to teach the kids, well, now the ants that were eating that other side of the peach, the critter that bit it the first time, they got to enjoy this peach too. So not only did they get to smile ear to ear with this wonderful tasting peach, but they also got to know that they shared it with the nature around us. And so that was a wonderful opportunity for teaching, uh, for memories. And and so that's why this year, the few tomatoes we got out of our garden, the, the single half of a peach <laughs> and a few other little stringy vegetables was the best yield we've ever had and and probably will be the best yield we have for a long time because now we've we've grown gardeners we haven't grown a garden yeah, <laughs> because yeah. our kids they now know at 5 years old and 2 years old that you can grow food in your backyard and that to me is priceless yeah i mean that's that's such a good way to put it and something i've always thought about is you know yield is one thing when you're talking about pulling carrots out of the ground or or what what have you but there are more ways to define yield, right? And like you said, I, I couldn't have put it better. I, you didn't grow a garden, you grew gardeners. And those gardeners are going to grow quite a few gardens, you know, their own, the people they influence down the, down the road in, in the years to come. So it's so well said, so well said right there. Yeah, it's, it's I, no more words. <laughs> yeah, no more words. Um, so at that, I mean, that brings us to a great point. I mean, it's been a fantastic week and I'd love to give you an opportunity to kind of speak to the audience and kind of tell them, on a more practical level, like what do you actually do at Easy Living Yards and kind of what are you about if they want to get in touch with you, connect with you, you know, talk to you? Sure. So over at Easy Living Yards, I have a weekly podcast called the Easy Living Yards podcast. So you can look it up on iTunes or or pretty much anywhere there's podcasts. And so you can connect with me that way. And, and most of what I do at Easy Living Yards is exactly what we've talked about this whole week. So helping you have a healthy and a beautiful landscape with less work so you can spend more time doing what you love. And so living with purpose, living with intent, how to have an easy landscape, how to do it yourself, right? 
And so those are the things we talk about over at Easy Living Yards. And I say we, it's mostly me over there. <laughs> my wife is my wonderful social media expert. Um, and, and so what I've got for uh, all the epic gardeners out there is I've put together a couple resources. So you can go over to easylivingyards.com slash epic. And that will take you to a page where there's a couple downloads you can download. So one is, is helping you find your passion. So if you're having trouble feeling like you live with purpose or intent, this will help you find your passion um, or passions or intent, um, what you can live with purpose in life. Also, how to look at your yard like a pro. So this is an exercise to have better focus on your landscape and where to work. Um, also, a, a quick list of low-maintenance plants. And again, this is with an asterisk, as we talked about in previous episode, where these plants don't work everywhere. This is a good list of plants that work most places. And also, I'd like to extend an offer to anybody that wants to go deeper on any specific help with their landscape. I'm going to give a 20% off discount to anybody that wants to connect with me on consultation. And uh, that'll be good through uh, end of January uh, of 2019. Awesome. Those are some cool resources. Um, yeah, guys, everything is going to be in the podcast description as it has been for every episode I do and also for this whole week with Ben. Uh, ben, thanks so much. I mean, I learned quite a bit in today's show, I think, and, and actually this whole week. I think that um, what I find is I love these very granular episodes, like we had Jessica Wallerser on going very deep into the intricacies of how a plant talks to a bug, right? Which is absolutely fascinating to me. And I love stuff like this where we zoom out a little bit and you know, billions of those types of interactions are going on in a landscape and we connect it more to, towards that human element, towards the future, uh, these future generations, our children. So thanks so much for coming on. I really, really, really appreciate it. Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Cool. Well, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, please connect with Ben. There's a bunch of cool goodies in those podcast descriptions. And until next time, good luck in the garden and keep on growing. Okay, guys, I don't know about you, but I am excited. I loved uh, having this wonderful time and opportunity to talk with Kevin. And so thanks to Kevin, if you're listening to this, uh, for uh, having me on your show. I had a lot of fun being on Kevin's show, and I'm really excited to have had that opportunity with Kevin. So I really wanted to share this with you guys, my audience as well. And if you haven't heard about Kevin's stuff, the check out the links in the show notes. I have links to all this stuff that I'll be talking about right here. So ely.how slash episode 66. Likewise, your podcast app might already have these links in there. So first, yeah, check out Kevin's website, blog, and podcast over at epicgardening.com. And likewise, I had a a bunch of awesome giveaways I had for his listeners, and I want to share these with you as well. So if you want to focus on how to live with more purpose, how to look at your landscape like a pro, go on over to epic, (laughs) ely.how slash epic. There we go. ely.how slash epic. And again, there's a link for that in the show notes. The first series of my interviews with uh, Kevin over at Epic Gardening was episode 65. So go over and over, check that episode out if you haven't. There's some great stuff in there as well. And likewise, if you are ready to really make a commitment and transform your yard, transform your life with confidence, check out the ELY membership. The Easy Living Yards membership has the tools you need, the support you need to really make a transformation in your yard and a transformation in your life. 
to give us that beauty and to give us that time and space to enjoy that beauty. As always, you can ask a question over at ely.how slash pod, and there's a link to that in the show notes as well. All right, guys, I had a blast today. I had a blast on Kevin's show. I hope you had fun as well. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today. <laughs>